everybody, it's episode 6 of Video Vampires. This is Mickey. And Jessica. And Jessica. Jess, what did you watch recently? I've watched... So, it's like the summer movie time. Yeah. So, I've seen so many movies. And a lot of them are like big budget movies. So, I'm going to go through them now. Some of them are a little um, excessive. So, I saw... Okay, here's a list. I'll start with The Beguiled. Yeah. I... It's one of those movies that I had to kind of sit with. Like, I watched it, and at first I was like, this is all for this. This is very anticlimactic. But then the more I think about it, the more I kind of like it, the more I like the characters. Um, Nicole Kidman in it is great. Even, um, and we just, Kirsten Dunst, uh, which I don't normally care for, mm-hmm. was pretty good. And also Colin Farrell, who's just kind of been, like, doing these smaller, like, sleepers. And has been, like, really good lately. He did The Lobster. Yeah. Um, and then he also did this movie. I think that's it lately that I've seen him in. Um, I don't know. I, I liked it. Not to give too much away, but it's set in, like, um, post or during the Civil War. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember what year it is, but it's, like, near the end where the war is ending. And it's, like, at an all-girls kind of, like, school. And um, they're place is still standing and then they find this um like broken down soldier um who's technically the enemy and take him in Uh so they uh so you know the school full of girls and a man who's like fairly good looking and has an accent you know and And they all go crazy you know so Yeah. yeah that's basically the premise of the movie um i i did like it i think i like it more now that i've sat on it for a little while at first i was just kind of like uh but I, it's gorgeous. It is. It's beautiful. And um, I think always a southern setting um, with the trees and the green, even during wartime, is still kind of beautiful. Um, and then I saw Baby Driver. Yeah. Well, how's that? I can't believe you haven't seen any of these movies. But I love Baby Driver. Um, it's action-packed. It, even if it starts to get a little long, there's some, you know, car chase scene. Um, I can't remember that name of that kid, but he was great in it. Oh, the kid who was in The Faults in Our Stars? Oh, I didn't see that. I did. I had a bet with my girlfriend that she was like, um, she's like, if you cry during movies, you're going to cry during The Fault in Our Stars. So oh, me and no. her roommate at the time, we, who she also made the bet with, we sat and watched it. And I didn't shed a single tear. Not because I'm insensitive to <laughs> cancer or anything like that, but because it was a fucking terrible movie. Now, both of those two actors have gone on to do cool stuff. Like, um, the girl in it, she was in um, that HBO show, Big Little Lies. Oh, really? Shailene Woodley. Oh, yeah, okay. And that kid was in uh, is in Baby Driver, and I okay. was like, so, um, hence why, I mean, I, it's not, I love Edgar Wright, I want to see Baby Driver, but if it's if it's kind of like a, unofficial sequel to Fault in Our Stars. I'm going to check out it's, right away. Imagine. Um, no, it's it's good. John Hamm's in it. He's funny. And uh, Jamie Foxx and uh, Kevin Spacey, who I just, I can't help it. I love him. I just 
no matter what he does, even if he's bad, I just love him anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's good until until my problem was the ending, which I won't give it away, but it was way too normal for how the movie went. The movie was excessive and ridiculous, and then the ending was like, oh, this is reality. We're in reality now, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of didn't like. But um, all in all, I would probably see it again. It was it was like a great, fun movie. Um <clears throat> And then I saw, oh yeah, I saw The Little Hours, which is like Abu Plaza and that younger Franco. Um, yep. And fuck, I can never remember her name, but she's in a ton of stuff. She was in Mad Men. Christina Hendricks? No, imagine uh, um, that babe. She's the other babe. Uh, what's it? Peter's wife? Oh, Franco's wife, too. In real life. Really? Yeah. Alison Brie? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of even funnier. I just watched um, her in Glow. But it takes place, really? Uh, I haven't seen that yet. But it takes place in, what, like, thir- 1300s? Um, okay. Like a nunnery? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, it's a period piece with Dave Franco? Yeah, but it's a comedy. Okay. And it's, okay. it's just, it's ridiculous, but it's really funny. Abu Plaza is, like, the hottest woman alive, probably. Like, oh. I just can't help it. She's got a new movie coming out that I want to see. Uh, She's been great in everything. Like, uh, fuck. Um, Legion, which is, she's incredible in. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then I saw this, and she's always funny. She just has this, like, really dry kind of humor that's really sexy. Yeah, I agree. But, um, the movie was funny. I think everyone should see it. John C. Riley's in it. Um... It's it's good. All right. Um, and then I saw Transformers. I okay. I, I I was really bored. It was Fourth of July. We were like, let's go out. Let's go all out. Let's see this ridiculous movie. And it is so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I think twenty minutes into the movie, I look at my friend, and she laughs because we both realized that we made a terrible decision. But we're in it now, and we're in it for like three hours. Mm-hmm. And not even not even Marky could say. I was going to say, is Marky Mark in that Yes, and it's so bad. So they moved on from Shia LaBeouf being like the hero of the franchise to Marky Mark? Yeah, and I hadn't seen probably the last three, I don't even know how many movies. Yeah. Six? Is this six? I have no idea. It's terrible. It's yeah. fucking bad. Yeah. Um, Things don't even make any sense, and they transition to parts in the movie where you're like, what? How, how the fuck did this happen? How did it go from this to this? Uh, it's terrible. It's really bad. It's not even fun terrible. It's just bad. I want to see the realistic Transformers movie. Like, I remember a few years ago, before there was even a Transformer movie, I was, like, talking to a friend of mine. I was like, what would you do if you were just walking down the street and you saw that car turn to a robot? And he was like, I think it would be awesome. I was like, no, I think you would shit your pants literally <laughs> because it would defy every single thing that you know is, like, yeah, what, valid what, right, and what's right and, you know. Exactly, and um, that's the movie I want to see. Is I want to see the people who re- honestly react to these things, not with like, "Oh wow, this is great." As more of like, "Oh my god, this is the worst. This is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen." I kind of hate it too, because you go to this like suspended disbelief to just believing, and I'm, that's never real. Like no. you can't just be like, "Oh okay, this is how it is now." I totally accept it. There'd be mass panic. Now you, you um, also saw Spider Man though. Yes. Now, see, I I, uh, I loved the Sam Raimi ones. Like, I grew up... Okay, except for number three, because yeah. number three is the one of the worst. I grew up reading... I learned how to read by reading Spider-Man comics, yeah. and he was my hero growing up. So, when the Sam Raimi, the first Sam Raimi one came out, I was like... I got choked up in the opening credits, because I was like, this is finally happening. Loved the second one. I, the third one, I tried for, like, a good, solid year. I'm like, it wasn't that bad. It was like... 
it was bad. It's it really was bad. fucking bad. Yeah, I mean, it's so bad that it almost makes the other two look yeah, bad, but look it doesn't. Worse. But it, I agree. The first Spider-Man, um, Willem Dafoe, yeah. yeah, and and the second one with Alfred Molina, like where it actually, yeah. you know, Doc Ock, yeah. Um, I didn't see the Andrew Garfield ones because I felt I was so angry that they were I already did. rebooting them. And they, but this is, I was hesitant because they again now this is the third. And I saw the Andrew Garfield ones, and I don't remember hating them, but I remember just being like, I don't know why I'm watching this. But this one's a big deal because it's now part, it's integrating it into the Marvel into, Universe. Yeah, yeah, into the Avengers. The cinematic um, universe, whatever. Tom Holland is a great Spider-Man. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm fucking sick of Spider-Man. I think I'm even sick of these, like, huge... Comic book movies? Yes. Yeah, I agree. They're annoying. And I felt, I, I went to it anyway, and I felt really annoyed that I was watching the movie, that I was watching Spider-Man, and that I was watching a 15-year-old kid, or I don't know how old he is in real life, but he's 15 in, in the movie. Oh, so that means he's probably 30. Yeah, <laughs> he, he could be 30. Yeah. Um, but? So it's annoying watching, uh, for me as an adult, it was annoying watching a 15-year-old make these decisions, because, you know, 15-year-olds are really annoying. <laughs> You were but 15 once. I know, and I even still, I, like, try to remember that, but, like, there's only a thing that's, like, no, every teenager is, like, the most annoying idiot on earth. So I had to keep that in mind while I'm watching this movie, but I think it's a really good Spider-Man movie. Tom Holland is great. The whole cast is great. Um, you could tell that they, like, liked each other, you know, during mm-hmm. filming. Um, everything about it, especially with the integration into, like, the Avengers universe, and even um, Marissa Tomei, who's like a goddess anyway, um, is really fun in it. Yeah. I'm glad. At first, I was kind of like, why'd they make her into this? But it is it fits, and she's great. Um, I don't know what her name is. Zendaya? Who plays, like, his friend. Um, there was, like, some conspiracy, because at the end, she says, like, her name is MJ, but... What? But I read this whole thing... Spoiler where, alert. Well, Jesus. Kind of, it's not a spoiler, because the director was like, it's not... A, oh. It's not at all that. It's just it more just like, like a... It's be, like a, a cute wink. Well, kind of like a nod, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's not her at all. Um, she's great in it, too. I like that they integrated one, especially when you have a movie set in... New York, mm-hmm. um, you have to make it integrated. You have to have people of color in it, which I think a lot of the other movies kind of missed, um, mm-hmm. too, as far as I remember. It's like, you're in a fucking city, and you have, like, all white people? Like, what is your problem? Right. Um, Hannibal Burris is in it, which is, he's just his regular self, but he plays a gym teacher, and it was kind okay. of cool to see him. But the funniest thing that I remember um, now is that he put on Instagram, he was like, or any or Twitter maybe, that he was like, hey, yo, I need someone to go to the Spider-Man premiere for me as me. And so he paid some Sorry. random dude to go to the premiere as him, and he's doing interviews as Hannibal Burris, and it's fucking A great. lot, yeah. Well, it says a lot, too, about, you know, where we're at as a society where, like, they can't recognize yes, one. Yes, exactly. How, yeah. And it, it disproves how... It's funny because it just proves everything I said about how them trying to make a movie in New York City with, like, an integrated cast and then have that happen in real life in Hollywood. It's like, fuck, no matter what you do, it's like... (laughs) Well, you know, Um, I think one of the reasons why I haven't seen Spider-Man or any of these movies yet is because, like, uh, one, all these blockbusters coming out, if you're mm going to go to see them, you want to go to, like, a... You want to go see them in a nice theater and it's so fucking expensive, you know? 
It's so expensive. Two, uh, I pretty much dominate, like, the selections in our household, like, movie-wise, uh, from, like, September through the end of October. Mm-hmm. So my girlfriend's like, let's go see The Big Sick. I'm going to go see that, uh, which I did, and I really liked it. Um, That's, and, like, the one I haven't seen yet. And it would seem weird out of place talking about it on this podcast, except for the fact that in the movie he try, he shows his girlfriend two different movies to try to impress her. One is Night of the Living Dead, <laughs> and the other one's Abominable Dr. Fives. And I was like, that I have both of those movies, and I feel like I have done, I've tried the same thing to impress a girl by showing her a horror movie that I really like and um, also defending it, you know, its, its merits mid-watching it. So, um that's cool. I want to. I want to see it. I actually read an article about it. How it's a real story about. I mean, their, they take some liberties with their own well, story, but yeah. I think anybody does that, sure. but it's like based on a real thing that Absolutely. happened to them. And um, so I was like, oh, I, I really do need to see this. I just haven't because I've seen all these little friggin' movies. Right, and and I really enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was great, and I thought it was funny, and it didn't feel heavy-handed or like hokey or anything like that. Like most, I feel like most romantic comedies kind of dive into and it was directed by Michael Showalter which I oh really yeah I love Michael Showalter mm. um Kim um my friend Kim who does good good pins uh-huh. who has this massive um collection of these really incredible pins based on movies and music uh we saw shoot I can't remember the name of the movie but it was with Sally Field and she plays oh yeah the Michael the most show uh, yeah Michael Showalter, Showalter yeah, but um, um, so after, you know, he did this Q&A, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, she went up to him and showed him a pin that she made based off Wet Hot American Summer, uh-huh. and he was just the coolest guy, like, so nice and humble, and, like, yeah. sounded really appreciative that anyone would make it, let alone give him one. Sure. Um, so I always think about that, too. Like, I was like, oh, he's actually not a piece of shit like everyone else in Hollywood. <laughs> and he makes these kind of, like, weird feel-good movies, like... But they don't feel... Yeah, they're kind of... I don't know how to explain, but they're, like, kind of cute, even though they're really sad. They're not... Well, they're not... They're not saccharine. They're, 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 you know, they're very sincere and very... Yes, uh, that's the sincere. Yeah. Um, But I do need to see that. I didn't realize he... Yeah, it was good. Uh, Um, I saw saw War of the Planet of the Apes last night. Oh, fuck. Really? Yeah, I, I told you. I was just, like, powering through all these, like, big-budget summer movies. I haven't seen any of the Planet of the Apes movies. I honestly like them. I believe There's, they're good. I think you should watch them. I will. Um, this one in the last part of the trilogy, I guess, was, you know, where it leads off to Planet of the Apes. Um, so there's this, like, big battle, like, tons of, you know, battle scenes between the apes and humans. Oh, I get it. So I get it. I get yeah. it. So the next movie's going to be kind of like the Heston plan of the apes. Yeah, but I don't know if they're actually, I mean, they probably will. Well, Any, I, yeah, but I know what you mean. Like, it's yeah. going to be, like, yeah. you know, years and years into the future of Earth and, uh, and apes have taken over and, mm-hmm. you know, gotcha. I liked it. It's also impressive to see how far we've come in technology-wise of, like, CGI and that type of thing. Um, it looks great. You know, I saw it at Arclight. The screen is huge, and there really wasn't any lag in, in you know, some of the stuff I was seeing, so it was totally believable. Cool. Uh, I did really like it. It is big, loud, and uh, Woody Harrelson is in it, and I, I just I love him. Yeah, he's awesome. He's really awesome. I, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I love Woody Harrelson even in Cheers. Yeah. Um, but, uh, even in Cheers. I, uh, 
I haven't watched anything in the theaters recently except for The Big Sick, but I did see, um, like, la- we've been having a heat wave, as you know. And, yeah. Uh, last week I watched The Thing from Another World, you know, the original thing. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I wanted to watch something that was in the cold. Yeah. You know, um, and eat Pretend ice cream. Pretend you're there, yeah. Pretend I'm there. And the thing about the original thing as opposed to the Carpenter thing is that, and the Carpenter thing is definitely the better one. I've never seen it. The original thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the yeah, thing. I know, I, thought, I know, yeah. yeah. Um, the original thing, you know, it's a Howard Hawks film or a Christian Nivey film that Howard Hawks produced and everything, and it was 50s. And, you know, it's got that some of that Cold War paranoia kind of, like, hinted at. But it's a fun movie. Like, these, it's all these scientists and these military guys on this base, kind of like, it's, a, it's not, it doesn't do the same thing in the, um, the Carpenter one. That, the Carpenter one's more faithful to the original short story. The, uh, in the short story, who goes there, it's people are, you know, getting assimilated and becoming, and you don't know who to trust. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the original Howard Hawks production, like, it's a giant kind of animate vegetable that looks humanoid, and it's played by James Arness, and it feeds off of human blood. But the whole idea of, like, um, them being on this, like, Arctic base is still intact. But they're ha- but it, to me, it's like, even when they're scared of something, mm-hmm. they seem like they're having a lot of fun. Whereas when you watch Carpenter's thing, you're like, this doesn't look like fun at all. It's great. Yeah. They don't look like they're having fun. <laughs> the the original thing is they're having, like, it's just, they all have that rapid-fire dialogue. They're all joking around. Even when things are really bad, they have that kind of, like, you know camaraderie that like that like but that also that like um like I said that that kind of rapid fire dialogue where like they're kind of like cracking wise about the situation they're in. It's like nobody's like nobody seems like, oh shit, we're not gonna make it out of here. So it's a fun movie to watch. And then uh two nights later, Steve Sears, who was here um mm-hmm. for episode five, him and I watched uh Rob Zombies thirty one. <laughs> and um I don't know. I have a I here's the thing is like one, I want to like Rob Zombie. So do I, but I, I'm like 50-50. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, what, like, why, why, man, why are you doing this? I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of House of Thousand Corpses. I liked yeah. a lot of it, but then there was a lot of it I didn't like. And then I was really impressed with Devil's Rejects. I was like, wow, I finally feel like he's like doing, doing something a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say mature, but like. I, uh, evolved, maybe? Evolved, there we go. Yeah, he evolved. And then, um. You know, you and I talked about this before we started recording, but I, I, I you liked, I really hated um, his remake of Halloween. I keep, I know it's a remake, but I feel like if you didn't think of it as a remake, <laughs> right? That it would be better. But, but my problem is, is that he misses. Like, I, I'm totally down for him to to make kind of to take the same story and make it his own. Mm-hmm. The problem is, there's certain things you need to keep. And the one thing you need to keep is you need to keep Michael Myers not being Michael Myers and not and just doing these terrible things and not knowing there's no rhyme or reason. He's yeah. this, he's the boogeyman. He is the supernatural entity now. Like when he kills his sister in the original Carpenter thing in the very beginning of the movie, what's so freaky about it is it happens in a normal suburb, normal kid, no explanation. Mm-hmm. Whereas by the time you get done the first half of Rob Zombie's Halloween, you're like, I get why this kid's doing it or why yeah. this kid becomes Michael Myers. Um it's like, but it's also like kind of like a, uh, like he read a Wikipedia article on like how do serial killers get made, and he just took that like the very yeah. stock generic step like by step. Um, abusive parent, okay, check, uh, kills animals, check, you know, um, it was just it was it was really kind of like a really sloppy, you know, this is how serial killers get made type story, and yeah. then 
the one thing that I just feel like you cannot fucking change is that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character in the original Halloween is, um, well, she's kind of dorky and she's well, she's very dorky and she's kind of naive, but she's also a fucking hero. Like mm-hmm. when 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 he starts attacking, you know, and she and he's attacking the house, like she. Her priority is get the kids out of here and then deal with it. And that, yeah. and I really like that. Whereas in the the remake of Halloween, I hated every single one of the victims so much, including <laughs> including the, 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 the Laurie Strode character. Yeah. That I found myself rooting for him. To murder. Them. Yeah, it was kind of like a weird superhero movie with where you're following, you know, he was the, the hero and they're all the fucking supervillains. They were just, they were the most atrocious people and I love Danielle Harris. Like, I mm-hmm. loved her in Halloween 4 yeah. and 5. And seeing her grown up and like also having a crush on her when I was a kid, I was like, this is great. Like, hell yeah. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> I know. Uh, but I, I just, it didn't do it for me. So, and then I didn't see his, his second, his, his follow-up to that. It's not good. But I did see Lords of Salem. I mean, I'll agree that the, the Halloween is not good. Yeah. But I still kind of like it anyway. Well, I just think he's just in love with his own aesthetic. Yeah, yeah he you is. Know? Very much. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I liked Lords of Salem. We both talked about this, and I think you yeah. nailed it when you said you you saw what he was trying to do with it. Yeah. And I, I, I do, too. I, I feel like the plot is ludicrous. Yeah. I love the plot, but I expect when I see a plot like that, I want it to be more of like a fun '80s like horror movie. You know, the kind where yeah. you walk away and you're like, "Great!" And then instead, he's trying to make like this like is like what it would kind of felt to me like. What if Ken Russell was going to make like a '80s like horror film? Mm-hmm. And um, I love the location. I love the atmosphere, of Lords of Salem. There's a lot of parts that I really really like, so I'm not going to write it off completely. In fact, it's there's too many good things about it to say it's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the funny thing is the things that I didn't like about Lords of Salem, you multiply them by like a hundred and you've got 31. First off, <laughs> oh, no. 31, I realized when I watched that movie, I was like, his target audience is kids who shop at Spencer's Gifts. Uh, that's a really great, for, I feel like for anything that Rob Zombie does, that's a perfect. So one, he's got like, first off, the, the premise of 31, uh, real quickly is, um, the, it's the 70s because, you know, Rob Zombie loves working within that aesthetic, but he also doesn't adhere to it. So go figure. But it's the 70s. Um, this uh, tra- like this like troop of like carnival performers um, are on the road. They're having a great time, blah, 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 blah. They run afoul. Uh, they get kidnapped and they get taken to this factory where these three people dressed up as aristocratic dandies or, you know, madams and everything mm-hmm. kind of subject them to this game of 31, uh, called 31, where they have, I think it's supposed to be on October 31st, hence 31. Who fucking cares? <laughs> um, and they, um, there's, they're basically, it turns into like the uh, most dangerous game or the running man. Yeah. They're being stalked by a group of uh, killers. Now, this is where it goes off the rails. One, the first killer, all the killers are kind of dressed like clowns. Clowns are scary when they're not trying to be scary. When they're sincere, yeah. that's that's creepy because there's. I feel like there's something that you're inside you that tells you like, hey, wait a minute, something's off. Like they look like you know they're 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 supposed to be happy, supposed to be jovial, but there's something very artificial about it. And so like your brain sees a clown and it, the way it tra- and I know knew you especially because you don't mm-hmm. like clowns. When you try to go out of your way to make a clown scary, you end up. It basically it, it was. It yeah. looked like they were being chased by, they were being stalked by juggalos. <laughs> and if that's your thing, that's awesome. Then 31 is great. Um, I think 
Not for me. And then there's, like, moments where he's, like, I feel like Rob Zombie's trying to be, like, you know, provocative. Uh-huh. But the only people I think he's shocking are, again, like, these, like, these, these, these suburban 14-year-old kids who go to, to Spencer's Gifts and buy blacklight posters of clowns. Yeah. Having your first clown killer be uh, a Mexican or Latino uh, dwarf uh, dressed up as a Hitler clown. It's yeah, exactly. It's so. Che- it's like it's kind of like it's, che- yeah, cheap. It's cheap, you know. And then um, there was one of the clowns was actually really funny. It was it was two. It was um, it was one of the nihilists from Big Lebowski, and then E. G. Daly, who I've always she's in my top ten crushes of all time. Uh-huh. E. G. Daly was Dottie in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. They oh, play yeah. like a couple, a cl- and he but he's funny because I mean he's still like he's basically playing the nihilist that he's playing in Big, Big Lebowski, uh-huh. but as a clown. And it's fucking hilarious, but um, there's just these moments where you're like, or, or some of the clowns, like, they're like, you know, I feel like I was, I feel like I'm, uh, I, I can almost see Rob Zombie talking to somebody being like, you know, it's going to make these clowns really fucked up, give them an upside down cross <laughs> on their make, and it's like, cool, who are you trying to shock? Like, it's, uh. it's, and, and that's what really frustrates me is that, like, I think he's more concerned with trying to be cool or trying to be like, Badass or again provocative, but um, it's not working for me. Yeah. And then the biggest problem I have with Thirty One is almost the same problem I have. It's pretty much the problem I have with all of his movies. Yeah. Is that? And it's I feel really bad saying this, but he loves his wife more than anybody I, else does. I know, and I actually she's not a good actress. She wasn't. Here's the things. I don't think she was bad in House of Thousand Corpses. I don't think she was bad in um, Devil's Rejects, but. And, I, and, and and one of the things I noticed when I watched 31 is that what made Devil's Rejects such a great movie is that you had all these, like, character actors who usually yeah. kind of play, like, second fiddle to a bigger actor. Like, Bill Mosley in, in, in uh, Devil's Rejects. I mean, like, I think the second most famous thing he's in is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But he's still, Dennis Hopper is the star of that movie, you know? yeah. I feel like what's great about House uh, or not House of Thousand Corpses, but Devil's Rejects, is that all of these character actors—they're the stars of the movie. Like it's their movie. Like Sid Haig, who's always playing the supporting role, he's one of yeah. the leads. Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon Zombie, who's not bad, but she's not good. She's not good. The only thing she has is she's like kind of hot. Yeah. Um, which is the only thing that people um, kind of tell me when I tell them I don't like Sherry Moon Zombie. They're like, "But she's hot." It's like, well, so is a ton of other people who actually can act. And I, I think it bothered me that he got this movie crowdfunded, you know, because I feel like there's other people out there who are, who are trying to use, like, you know, crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter or Indiegogo and stuff like that to make something that can't actually afford it otherwise. Whereas Rob Zombie, it's like, dude, if you really believe this much in your own project, I think you've, I'm sure you've got enough money to, to, to kick in for yeah. this. I don't know. Maybe there's more, maybe there's a backstory that I don't know, but, um... There are some good things about 31. Uh, Malcolm McDowell, who's one of my top three favorite actors of all time, he can make anything work. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could read the phone book, yeah. and it's awesome. And he's great. I can see that. He's great in that. Um, but Wait, he's in that? Yeah, he plays one of the dandies. It's like, you know, really? he's like, he's basically, it, okay, 31 is the bad version of this awesome PlayStation video game that came out called Manhunt, which was fantastic. It's almost the exact same game, but instead of Brian Cox as this, like, omniscient, or this evil narrator slash uh, antagonist, Mm -hmm. it's Malcolm McDowell. Other than that, the movie's 
Meg Foster, she's also in 31. She plays one of the, the victims. Yeah. Uh, she was in They Live. She plays, you know, you know she's because she's got those crazy eyes that are, like, legit, like, freaky, you know? Um, but in They Live, she's in it. She's in Masters of the Universe movie. She's fantastic. Like, she can elevate any material. So the ones, the actors in that movie that are good make it, you know, take really shitty, like, dialogue and shitty plot and make it work. But it's not a good movie. Yeah. I was very, I was, I was so mad that we ended up, that we watched that, that I, we had to kind of cleanse the palate by watching The Burbs again. Uh-huh. Which oh, yeah. I can watch that anytime. It's one of those, yeah, like, cleansing. Yeah, where you just, you're like, you know what, that was so bad that I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to take a chance watching something else that I haven't seen because I don't know if it's going to be good, so let's just watch The Burbs. So we watched The Burbs. I laughed. It was great. It was awesome. Um, so. Did I ever tell you my Sid Hig story? I don't know if this is podcast appropriate, so we can cut this. All right. Starting now. Go. Yeah. Um, I was in trap. I swear to God it was him because there's not, he has a look, you know who he is, but oh, yeah. I swear to God I was in traffic is this is Los Angeles. So you just end up seeing people and run into people, but I was in traffic and like some dude was trying to get to the right all the way from the left and I'm in the middle and he almost hits me. So I beep and then he like speeds all the way up and gets all the way over. And now he's on my right side and my windows are down and, uh, he just looks at me and goes, Hey, you're a cunt. <laughs> And then, of course, we get into this shouting match in the middle of downtown L.A., you know, so obviously I'm like, you're going to die alone. I know who you are. And like, you know, until like uh, one of us had to get because we were at a red light. We're just shouting at each other. And then like he ended up just blowing through the light because we were, (laughs) you know, we're we're, we're not going to we're definitely not cutting that because that's because the fact (laughs) that I swear he drove off and I was like, I know who that motherfucker is. I know it. The fact that you yelled at somebody, you're going to die alone. Yeah, he is. is. Look at him. If that was him, if that was him, I kind of, you know, his face is imprinted. And when he looked at me and just said those words, I knew exactly who he was. Well, it's funny because like, you know, uh, this is a fun story. Since we're talking, <laughs> since we're talking about you know Rob Zombie stock ca- uh, actors, um, yeah, Bill Mosley is one of the fucking coolest guys in the world. Uh, I you know we both go, you and I both go to Cine Family. I mm-hmm. remember um, the second time I saw the Babadook, which was a week after it came out. I saw it opening weekend. I loved it. I was so enamored by it that I was like, I'm taking my girlfriend who hate who doesn't really like horror movies. I'm like, we're going to see the Babadook. So we went and saw it. We're waiting in line though. It's in the day, and this guy comes out, and the second he comes out, like my face totally gives it away that I a I know exactly who it is, and my girlfriend's like, who is that? And as he walks by, he gives me like kind of like a a smile, like a modest like hello <laughs> smile, and I was just like, oh my god. And I had to explain to my girlfriend, I was like, you don't understand who this guy is, you know. And um, and then fast forward like maybe two years later. Again, Steve and I went to go see Border Radio at uh, CineFamily, and there's a Q&A afterwards with Allison Andrews, who's fucking rad. Mm-hmm. And Alex Cox, the director of Repo Man, was also in the back of the, the theater, you know, just kind of waiting to, for the Repo Man screening that was going to be in an hour later. And I think he knew Allison Andrews, but then at one point during the Q&A, you know, somebody raises their hand, and I can't really see who they are, but I hear their voice, and me, I just look over, and I'm like, it's Bill fucking Mosley, and he's mm-hmm. he's not there, he has nothing to do with the movie, he's just there because he wants to go see the movie, yes. and he wants to, like, and I just thought, I was like, that makes me feel really good that he just turns out to be a, a rad dude um, in real life, but anyway, um, before we get into the next, our, our, our main topic, which is going to be, we're going to talk about movie marathons before we watch Popcorn, yes. which you haven't seen. I have a, uh, a happy friend anniversary oh, yeah. gift. Ooh. Now, um, yeah, I'm going to take it out here. You can unwrap it. Um, okay. But this is for you. 
um, to enjoy. We will do an episode of this later. Um, <laughs> I can't tell what it is yet. Hold on. You can't? Okay. I can't see. Uh, we're going to do an episode on this later, uh, so bear in mind. Oh, but, yes. Yes, okay. But this is for me? This is for you. Oh, my God. We talked about it in the last podcast. And, I can't uh, believe this. I can't I, believe it. I was able to find it. Um, this is a really nice gift. Well, you should tell people what it okay, is. Okay, it's it's actually a, my demon lover, which we talked about last episode um, because he actually had the cover, and I've been searching for it forever, and I just remember the back panels of it. And uh, I, my dad used to have this as a kid, and I remember looking at this, you know, case and just being like, I'm not sure if I could watch it, but it's kind of, like, weird and, like, um, yeah, my demon lover. I'm, I'm so excited well, about You'd be this. surprised what you can find on the internet, guys. This is great. Um, so, yeah. we. I, I can't wait to watch it because it's been, I, I was, like, a kid, like, pre-middle school. Fun you know? fact, I never watched it. Really? Yeah, I never saw it. Oh, uh, my God. I remember just staring at this cover I, and being like, I'm not really sure. I think it was because <laughs> I didn't like Mallory's boyfriend in Family Ties. Oh, yeah. Um, I always really, really, um, the, you know, aside from Michael J. Fox, the character I really loved was Skippy, who went on to do two movies that I love, so go figure, but um, uh, one of which was being Trick or Treat, and the second one being this awesome movie called Rescue with Matt, uh, Matt Dillon's brother, Kevin Dillon, who I think... Matt Dillon has a brother? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, first off, Matt Dillon's got a brother, and Matt Dillon's brother, in my opinion, is the cooler Dillon. Really? You you know Matt Dillon's got a brother. You've seen Entourage at least once. No, I've never seen okay. Entourage. Someone else mentioned that, and I was like, I've so, never watched it. Kevin Dillon, back when Matt Dillon, I mean, I do like Matt Dillon, but... Oh, I know his face yeah, now. Yeah, Kevin Dillon. But I didn't know... When, back when, when Matt Dillon was trying to do all these, like, you know, fancy, like, you know, uh... Drugstore Cowboy yeah. and uh, other Gus Van Zandt movies. You've got his brother who's doing stuff like um, the, the the Rescue, Remote Control, which is like this movie that not enough people know about, and they should totally watch. No, awesome. you know what? I always think I've seen it, and I don't. I haven't because it reminds me of Stay Tuned. No, it's not. It's I not, mean, yeah. the name reminds me. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And then uh, Kevin Dillon, his probably his best. One of his best movies that he's ever done was uh, the Blob remake from nineteen eighty. Eight, mm-hmm. Um, and he is awesome. And then he went on to do like the Doors. He was uh, he played the drummer in the Doors, uh, John Densmore, in the Oliver Stone movie. That's really bad. I was just thinking about Oliver Stone lately. We should have an Oliver Stone night because not I know I oh, can't help it. Name one movie that would be fun to watch aside from JFK. You know why I was thinking of it because he did Savages, and I was thinking I was like, damn, wouldn't that be great if I had two hot boyfriends that grew weed? Like, okay. That's like the ultimate fantasy. But so. here's the blasphemy part on my But own. I love Natural Born Killers. I hate that movie. Why? I love the soundtrack. I was um, like in love with it when I was younger. I think every I, I middle feel like was. It's, it's kind of like, look, I don't mind when directors like to jerk off on camera. I know. But I still like there's got to be something worth seeing when you're jerking off, you know? And I feel like... Didn't he do Platoon? Yeah, he did Platoon. See? And Platoon's good. good. Yeah, but... Okay, but if, <laughs> but if we're gonna go if we're gonna go to Vietnam, then we should watch Apocalypse Now because it's oh, way. Oh yeah, better. I haven't seen that in a while. Um, it's also a long movie to get through. Oh, it's a it's a it's such a commitment, but it's such a great commitment. And then like I just I really I'm not a big fan of Oliver Stone. I love JFK. Yeah. Um, but I I just I can't. Oh, he didn't he do um. 
He did Salvador, born, which is good. Born, born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I it's meant okay. to rewatch that because I think it's on like HBO Go or something, and I was like, oh, oh, you know who's playing it? Cine Family was too. I think they were playing it on Fourth, oh, Fourth of July. July. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I don't really. I'm not a big Oliver Stone fan. I like I like his stuff that he writes better than what he directs. Like yeah. I love the original Conan the Barbarian. Um, he wrote that? Oh, God. He went on this, like, insane coke binge and wrote... Really? Yeah. And that the, makes me kind of like it even more. And, and the original... Apparently, the original screenplay for Conan was... It was going to take place in, like, this, like, post-apocalyptic future, and he was going to fight mutants, and then they were uh-huh. like, we don't this have enough money to make this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tone it down, so... This but, is a little much. Yeah, but... Uh, no, I just... He just doesn't do it for me, and I think he's just so... I like U-Turn. I like his, like, the movies that, like, nobody yeah. gives a shit about that he mm-hmm. does. Natural Born Killers, though, just I feel like he thought he was cooler than he really is making it. And um, I can see that. I love Woody Harrelson. I like Juliette Lewis. Um, I love the soundtrack. I like Robert Downey Jr. in it. I like everybody yeah. in that. I like Tom Sizemore in it. Um, there's moments in that movie that are really strong, but I think when he's trying to, like, when Oliver Stone thinks he's trying to make a statement, it just falls flat. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Um, so, we're going to watch Popcorn. Uh, before we do that, though, I mean, if for those of you who haven't seen Popcorn, Jess being one of them, um, one of the movies, uh, one of the premise of the movie is that it centers around uh, marathons, movie marathons, and that's one of my favorite things all year round to look forward to is when a theater, um, you know, Cine Family, New Beverly, uh, back when I lived in Boston, Coolidge Corner Theater, um, they would do movie marathons, and I used to go to the one in Coolidge Corner. I went to two of them actually. Um, this was back in the early 2000s, so my memory is really kind of uh, lost on some of what I saw there. But So if anybody remembers, feel free to email us, and we'll give that email address later. Because um, I don't think we, we've we even built that email address no, yet. they but can message through. us on Facebook. They can message us on Facebook. But uh, Coolidge Corner, back in, I think it was, I was uh, 19 years old. So this was 2001. Yeah. I went to one, and they had, um, let's see what they played there. They played Blackula, which if you haven't Ooh. seen, is fucking awesome. Um, and when you see it at, it's like when you watch it at, like, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning, some of the parts that probably wouldn't scare you are actually get under your skin because you're, you know, let's just say that a, a good marathon usually starts around, like, 7, 7.30, so you go through one movie that, like, and you usually go with a, they, they usually start off strong with a crowd pleaser, and then, um... And so you get your get your energy level up, and then the second one's usually kind of something a little bit to wind you down, and um, and then as you get into the later hours of the night, that's when you start getting some weird shit that you're like, oh, I didn't see this coming. I didn't expect this to freak me out. Um, but I saw Blackula at a uh, Coolidge Corner. That was great. Um, they did a uh, Larry Fessenden, who I'm not a huge fan of, but I respect what he does. They did a, a sneak pre- uh, preview of uh, Wendigo, which had Patricia Clarkson and. Uh, that kid from Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, Freddie. No, I don't know. His little brother. Little, little, the kid oh, looks yeah. like uh, uh, the guy who's the head of the Republican Party. That's not Donald Trump. <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Uh, yeah. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that weird dopey turtle-looking kid. Yeah, I know. It's it um, really funny that <laughs> now I see it. I yeah. can't never unsee it. Um, and then, like, you know, we, so I remember... Watching, um, they showed this this British movie, this uh, Tygon film called Blood on uh, Blood on Satan's Claw, mm-hmm. which is so creepy. And it's this like period piece from uh, from England. Um, this village kind of they, they we should do an episode of this as well. But they they dig up this one farmer digs up this uh, 
weird bone that doesn't look human, and then from there on in, like, all, like, the younger people in the town start kind of, like, uh, kind of forming this really weird, like, satanic cult Mm -hmm. in this village, and I fell asleep during this, like, I remember right before I I was just so tired, and I remember at one point I passed out, but it was right when this really creepy part happened. This really just got under my skin, I was like, oh, that's not the last thing I want to see before I, and then, boom, I sleep. And then I wake up in the middle of it, and it's just this horrific scene. And it was like, the way I was just describing it was um, that yeah, YouTube video of the kid on that that bungee cord ride where he like he he gets flung into the air, and he is so freaked out that he passes out. Mm-hmm. But then seconds later, he wakes up, and he's still in the air, and he freaks out, and he passes out again. It was exactly like that scene. <laughs> Paul. And then you, they throw in, like, um, The Exorcist and... Um, I want to say they had American Wolf in London at one of them. Oh, yeah. And that was, um, and, and I remember at 3 o'clock in the morning, they played Guy Madden's Dracula Pages from a Virgin's Diary, which is this beautiful ballet from um, the Winnipeg Ballet Company of Dracula. It's not something you want to see at 3 o'clock in the morning, so yeah. I passed out. Um, and then a year later, they showed uh, the car with, uh, with James Brolin about an evil car that's mm-hmm. terrorizing the town. Um, they showed... Uh, I think we saw the Howling one year, which is really great. It's really cool because like you'll you'll see stuff that you've already seen, and then you'll see they sneak in stuff that you're like, oh, I never I'd heard of this, I'd never you know yeah. I wanted to see it. Um, and then fast forward years later, you know, um, you know, living in L.A., I went to a Dolph Lundgren film festival or oh, a marathon. Oh yeah, you told me about. I'm so jealous. It was great. It was at the New Beverly, and I mean, even Dolph Lundgren, who wasn't there, but he wrote a letter to uh, the New Beverly and Phil Blankenship, who put the, put it together. Like he just was completely surprised that, that people would uh, enough people would gather to see a marathon of his stuff but it was awesome I mean like I, we saw like Red Scorpion um, they played Universal Soldier which I hadn't seen since I was a kid and I was like you know what yeah. this movie fucking holds up uh, both as a Van Damme movie and as a Dolph Lundgren movie they played uh, The Punisher mm-hmm. uh, the Marvel one they played I Come in Peace which is a great uh, sci-fi film from early 90s with him in it and then uh, they played Rocky 4 which is the best is, it, is, is the best Rocky yeah it is and it was one of the best times I've ever had in a theater seeing anything because the crowd um, you know during Apollo's funeral scene everybody yeah. stood up and was like solemn and paying their respects during the last the, the final fight people were like I mean people were nobody was sitting down for most of the movie it was mm-hmm. awesome um, people were cheering People were booing. Um, it was pandemonium. It was fantastic. And um, and then, you know, again, uh, you know, Steve, who I usually drag to these things, we went and saw uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street Marathon at Cinefamily, um, which was funny because, you know, the first movie's great. The second movie's awesome. Third movie's fantastic. Fourth movie's where it starts going downhill. There's <laughs> nothing that I like that I, I, I enjoy the fourth one. Then the fifth one is, like, fucking abysmal. I hate the fifth one. And after the fourth one, we were in the patio. We were going to take a break. We were going to go over to Cancer's, get some breakfast, maybe yeah. come back for, for part seven. And then one of the kids at, at Senate Family, like, kind of, like, conspiratorially walked over to me and Steve and was like, do you guys want a couch? And we were like, yes, we do. And yeah. then we were like, now we're going to stay. That couch. So we sat in this couch and we're watching Nightmare on Street 5, which is terrible. <laughs> uh, I mean, and I, I, as a fan of that franchise, like, 5 is just really, really bad. And then... Um, and then when Freddy's Dead, which this is what I was trying to get to about movie marathons, is that at a certain hour of the night or a certain hour in the morning, you start viewing something in a different way because of fatigue. So Freddy's Dead, which is a really bad movie, 
in some reg- uh, regards, I was watching it in a new light, being like, you know, maybe this is actually like a really good deconstruction of like horror. <laughs> I was like getting way too like, cause I'm so tired, I'm delirious. Um, and then they did something, they committed like a faux pas, which was really bad, which is um, when Freddy's Dead was released in the theaters originally, the last 20 minutes are in 3D. Now, when it gets released on video and on, for the most part, on DVD, except for on the box set, it's uh, the entire movie's in regular 2D. Mm-hmm. So people asked at the screen, like, hey, is this going to be, in, is the last part of it going to be in 3D? And they were like, no, we couldn't get that print. Well, guess what? It was. And for those of you who didn't bring 3D glasses, you're in, you know, so it's like <gasps> four, no, it's not even four in the mor- morning. It's like eight oh, in the morning. No. And your eyes are fucking dying because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, you're tired um, and now it's all in 3D and you can't, oh, no, it was brutal. Yeah. And at that point afterwards, they had like a brief intermission for breakfast and then they do New Nightmare. Now, at this point, your body is jacked on coffee and popcorn. And jo- Mike, yeah, like I was like, I'm not eating sugar, anything. Sugar, your yeah. teeth hurt. I'm not watching. I'm not eating anything. I just want to. At this point, I love Wes Craven's Nightmare, but I don't even want to watch it. I just want to grind through it so I can say I did it, you know? So we did. Yeah. And then. Um, wow. Yeah. And then last year, we went to the Arrow. Um, Arrow was fantastic. Arrow is if you live in LA, the Arrow movie marathon around on Halloween is is awesome. They they know they keep it they keep you entertained the entire time. They keep your energy level up. Um, if you want to skip a movie, there's a great burger joint down the street. Um, what Father's Office? It's fantastic. Last year we saw they opened up with the Blob with Kevin Dillon. Mm-hmm. Um, then they went to some. I, anyway, I think it was a Japanese film that we did skip, and we went and got a burger. Um, Again, fantastic burgers. And then um, <laughs> we came back for uh, what was The Entity, yeah. which is that movie I was talking about with Barbara Hershey. And, then, like, again, it's like at this point we're looking at 1 o'clock, 2 in the morning, and it's like I don't even know if that movie would scare me now. Yeah. But I know when I watched it then I was freaked out, and it was awesome. I went out and bought it. I haven't watched it since because I'm like I almost like, is this going to still hit me the way it did at, uh, you know, 2 in the morning that Saturday night? And then um, they went to Phantasm 2 which I hadn't seen since I was a kid, and I remember not being really into it as a kid. Watching it, though, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, this movie fucking rocks. <laughs> um, and then after that, they went into Hell Night with Linda Blair, which I had never seen, um, and is supposedly going to get a, a, a finally get a Blu-ray release, but in the meantime, my VHS copy is going to have to suffice, but that movie was awesome. It's mm-hmm. like... Then they did another one. I think it was Humanoids from the Deep, and then they went into Brain Damage, which is my... One of my all-time favorite Frank Henenlotter films, but at that point we were like, I was like, I have to get up in like a few hours to go to the Queen Mary because we were doing Halloween there. Oh so yeah, I was like, I got. I remember. I think I remember you telling me all about this because it sounds really familiar. I just probably was like, I don't have enough energy to do this. Well, that's the thing is that you should totally go, and then like you should always you can check out whenever you want. But there's something about going to see a bunch of movies. It sounds cool. Yeah, like I want to do it. I think I just. I didn't know it was a thing really until I moved here. <laughs> yeah, and like, and the thing is that like a lot of times, like I said, like they they do they always do intermissions. Yeah. So you can get up and like you know, they uh, Coolidge Corner did this, and so did um, you know the Arrow's done this. Night, the Nightmare on Street one did this as well. Oh, the Nightmare on Street one was great because I forgot to mention that. Um, so at the Nightmare on Street marathon, after the third thing, because they do intermissions and stuff like that. So I think it was either. With the Nightmare on Elm Street, they did after every two movies, they did a break. Mm-hmm. So after the second movie, before the third one, they had the director of the third one, which is Chuck Russell, uh, Rodney Eastman, who was um, he was in 
part three and part four. He played the mute kid um, in the third one. And then uh, they had, uh, the girl, you know, the punk rock girl, the one that you and Steve were talking about the other day? Oh, yeah. She was there. Um, God, I am drunk. She was there? Yeah. Um, mm. I and, like the horror movie ones. I feel like I need to go to one this year. Yeah. that's a goal. It, it, and it's a good goal to have because... Well, I know you, know you do stuff like that too, right? I do. And, like, the thing is that there, there's a world of difference between doing... Um, a night and... Doing a night at your house and doing a... Um, going to a marathon because there's a little bit more commitment when you go to one in the theater. Like, you're more... You're like, I'm going to sit this one out as much as I can. Whereas when you do it at your home or somebody else's house, it, it kind of has that, like... Jennifer Rubin, by the way, was the actress I was trying to think of, the one who um, is the punk rock girl in, in part three. Mm. No, uh, on my birthday this year, I did one where I did, um, you know, the Street Fighter and, um, you know, with uh, Sonny Chiba. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, Dead End Driving, a great Australian uh, sci-fi film. And then we did uh, House, not House, um, Wild Zero mm-hmm. by... Uh, by the Wild Zero is this Japanese horror film starring the Japanese punk band uh, Guitar Wolf. Oh, cool. It was really cool. I've never seen it. What's it called again? Wild Zero. Wild Zero. Yeah, and it's basically they play themselves and they end up fighting zombies. What? I need to see this. And, um, hold on one second. And then I did Phenomena, uh, Dario Argento's film with Jennifer Connelly, which is also called Creepers here. And then I did, uh, and then I think people started checking out after that, but Steve and I kind of sat through it. We went through, we did bo- The Borrower, mm-hmm. the, the movie I was talking about last time with John McNaughton, the guy who did Henry Portrait, basically The Hidden, but yeah. if you mix it with Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, so, and I, I do that often. I mean, I'll have like nights at my apartment, you know, but there's nothing like going to a theater. Yeah. And, Having you know, that experience. Mm-hmm. And they always do like, you know, they'll do giveaways. I, um, so, you know, they have a mascot for the Arrow Horror Movie Marathon. It's this um, thing called the Corn Gorn. Uh-huh. And it's like um, this weird... In fact, hold that thought. I'm going to go show you. So they did this They did this uh, contest where, you know, you can buy a pack of cards and it'll have different characters that have shown up. Because every year at the Arrow Horror Movie Marathon, they have, like, they play the same commercials. They say, like, you know, and it's it's almost become like a Rocky Horror Picture Show thing where people call out stuff yeah. before it happens. And um, anyway, you can get a pack of trading cards that on the back will show you um, previous lineups that they had, mm-hmm. as well as, um, you know, most, uh, like, credit scores. And if you have, like, the highest credit score, you can win a prize, and uh-huh. the prize is this, this uh, an action figure of their uh-huh. mascot, the corn no. And it's And awesome. it's so much fun to go, and um, if, you know... You'll you'll end up seeing stuff you've already seen. Like for me, I'd already seen the Blob. Yeah, I'd seen Phantasm too. I'd never seen the Entity. I I'm I'm so glad that I found that was the the format that I saw it in. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with uh with uh, Hell Knight with Linda Blair, which is a, it's such a great kind of sleazy looking slasher film, you know. Um, and it has uh you know like I said Linda Blair has one of the, the dudes from Friday Thirteenth Part Four. And it had, uh, do you remember, did you ever see Rock and Roll High School with the Ramones? Yeah. So the jock, like the likable jock in that, the one who's always ta- trying to pick up girls by saying it's raining cats and dogs, mm-hmm. he, he's in Hell Knight. It was just such a fun movie. Um, and then, yeah, like it's definitely, marathons are a big part of, uh, 
of my year every year, you know, whether I'm having one at my apartment or going to them, you know, like I get, it's, I get a little like trepidatious because like, I'm like, oh my God, it's like 12 hours of movies, but yeah, that's cool though. I wish I had stuff like that growing up though. Like, you know, I grew up in two smaller, like I grew up in a small town that I moved when in my sophomore year to a bigger town, but even still they didn't have those things. There was movie theaters but they were, like, big movie theaters. They only showed certain things. Like, there really wasn't that much independent theaters unless, you know, I could somehow take a trip into Boston or Cambridge, you know, and go to that. But when I was younger, I just didn't have those options. But and what I do you wish think, so bad. What do you think you did when you went to the video store and you bought it, grabbed a bunch of videos? Well, I mean, That's at America. home, you yeah. do that. Like, I do that every day of my life because I hate leaving my house. Right. You know, but, I mean, in a theater-type setting. Right, exactly. Uh, that would have been cool. <clears throat> to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're going to go to a marathon, I always recommend um, bringing coffee. Yeah. Packing a, putting, leaving a pillow in your car that you can go grab when you need to. Uh, That's a good tip. <laughs> um, don't overdo it with, like, the snack foods mm. earlier on. Like, maybe get, like, I think a popcorn, but then hold off, you know, because your stomach's going to feel it around, like, 8 o'clock in the morning. You're going to feel that, like. Turn. Yeah. yeah and it's not going to be pleasant, you know, and. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Nobody wants to, you know, frequent the bathroom at the movie theater. It's not exactly, no matter how good the, the theater is, the bathroom's not the place where you want to hang out. So um, bear that in mind. But I think one of the things I love about the movie we're about to watch, Popcorn, is that the entire premise, for the most part, it takes place at a movie marathon where things go wrong. Um, I love this movie. I remember the trailer... And the trailer, it was kind of what we were talking about when we were with Steve as well, where when you reference something else, yeah, it kind of already gives you that built-in expectation. So the trailer shows D. Wallace Stone, who's getting the movie briefly, uh, in the dark, firing away at something with a gun, and they're mentioning, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday 13th. At this point, you're like, oh, these are the big, these are the heavies. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm invested. Like, this is going to be scary. Look, popcorn, not... Wait, Dee Wallace is in Popcorn? Yeah. Oh, I saw... Did I tell you I saw her speak recently? For E.T., right? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I didn't know she was in this. She is. Um, but it's great. It's it's a movie... To sell you even more on Popcorn, it's a movie that takes place in Los Angeles that was filmed in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Doubling, really? doubling for Los Angeles. I want you to <laughs> take that and uh. keep that inside you while we're watching the movie. Okay, great. And, uh, <laughs> like I said... Is Popcorn a scary movie? No. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like there's two different movies going on at one point? Yes. And I will I'll explain that after we watch it and everything. It's not a great movie. It's an awesome movie, though. Like, I love this movie. It's, I, I uh, every year I pop it out and watch it. For the longest time, I, you know, it was only available on, v, on VHS and, like, it wasn't even on DVD for a while. Mm-hmm. Synapse Films just did, they spent years working on this amazing Blu-ray restoration of it, um, which is great. I always, it always makes me happy when a movie that most people don't think should get a, the proper treatment mm-hmm. gets that treatment, and Popcorn is definitely one of those movies. Um, <laughs> I, I can't stress enough that I, I do, I love this movie. I'm well aware of its flaws. I'm telling yeah. you this right now. Okay. Um, if anything, I feel like the flaws of this movie make it even more endearing. And that's what we're going to watch. And we're going to talk about that after uh, we watch it. So we'll be right back. 
let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we're back from watching Popcorn. Uh, again, I love this movie. Jess, uh, what did you think? All right. First, I did like the opening scene with the rubber masks and the title name with the creepy music. But the thing is, is I think it made it... It was kind of funny to me because I think the name of the movie makes it really hokey. (laughs) Okay. Like, it's called Popcorn. I probably would have never watched it assuming that it was something... uh, Stupid. But I, I really liked it. You're right. It is really endearing even though the whole first part doesn't make any sense um of the movie i don't know should i just okay so here's so here's some backstory about this movie um it was originally going to be directed by alan ormsby alan ormsby um he directed or he wrote uh deranged which was a film in the 70s about ed gein um, before that, he had actually his first movie that he wrote was a movie called "Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things," <laughs> which he direct, right. which he wrote, and it was directed by Bob Clark, who directed *A Christmas Story*. Oh, really? *Porky's Black Christmas*. And then Alan Ornsby would go on to write *Cat People*, um, the remake, the Paul Schrader one. Mm-hmm. So he's making the movie, and halfway through, it's just something's not working out right. Um, the movies within the movies, yeah, um, those they, were cool. Those were all Alan Ornsby, but. He ended up getting fired, and they brought a new director named Mark Harrier, who kind of, I don't know, I guess he took over the, they changed some of the script. Now, in the original script, not only was the same plot line there, and and let me give you a rundown of the plot real quickly. Um, Group of college kids in the film uh, film department are putting on a horror movie marathon to, um, you know, to, to raise money for their their yeah. their depart film department. But also, where did they get all this money to put? <laughs> like, ah. my high school never did shit. Well, it was college, and <laughs> oh, okay. so they're all college. That kids. makes more sense because I was like, wow, yeah, there's a lot of like teacher student shit going on. Here. You didn't catch the the University of California Ocean View sign. <laughs> um, I don't think there is a University of California Ocean View, um, but that's besides the point. Um, no, they, they get all the, the, the gimmicks and the stuff from Ray Walston. Ray Walston, if you guys remember, was uh, my favorite Martian. Uh-huh. He was also in Galaxy of Terror. He was in, um, oh, God, what was that? Uh, the, the television miniseries The Stand. The oh, yeah. One. Oh, right. yeah. And okay. he plays a memorabilia salesman who provides the, the film students and their film teacher, played by Tony Roberts, who just probably has no idea what the fuck he's doing in this movie. Tony mm-hmm. Roberts is... Plays the film school teacher. He's yeah. also a he was a Woody Allen standby. He was in Annie Hall. Stars memories played against Sam. Radio Dave's Hannah's sisters. A bunch of Woody Allen stuff, and he just shows up in this movie like I don't know. But Ray Walson provides him with all these all this um, flair for their their horrorthon, which is all based on gimmicks. So a lot of the movie kind of plays up on um, William Castle. William Castle was a director in the fifties and sixties who's 
his whole thing was all of his movies had gimmicks. Like the original House on Haunted Hill mm-hmm. had a gimmick called Emergo or Emergo, and that was in House on Haunted Hill. There's a scene where a skeleton gets pulled out of like a, a vat of acid or something. Mm-hmm. And in the theaters, they would have a skeleton on a string zip across oh, the, the. That would the, be so cool. Ra- I was thinking about that while watching it. Like mm. this would be so cool. Exactly. The Tingler with Vincent Price, also Vincent Price, another yeah. Castle film. Um, it was a movie where uh, there's this weird parasite that forces you to... The only way to get rid of it is to scream. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, it, ha- it affects somebody who's mute in the movie, and they can't scream. Well, all the theaters in... All the seats in the theaters, in certain theaters, were uh, rigged to give you a jolt. Yeah. Just like in Popcorn. Um, then he had, um, he had a movie called Macabre, where... Before you go into the movie, they were uh, giving away life insurance policies, fake life insurance policies, uh-huh. because you were so scared to death. Yeah. And then, uh, last but not least, we have John Waters, who made the movie Polyester, um, which is a great film. And his gimmick, well, he he's a huge fan of William Castle, and he had a gimmick for that movie called Odorama, uh-huh. where you actually have scratch and sniff cards where, like, a certain cues, you'd smell the card, and <laughs> they do it a little differently in the movie Popcorn. But anyway. Yeah. Film students are... Putting together a horror-thon with all these movies having gimmicks, just like the ones that we just mentioned. And then, um, of course, there is a plot where there was a killer-slash-filmmaker in the 60s who tried to murder his family on camera, and he was thwarted, and he died. And um, it's possible that he's back for revenge, and he's trying to attack everybody in this putting on this horror movie marathon. Mm-hmm. Specifically, one the main character who is this... who. Uh, is a girl who keeps having these weird flashbacks of this, but, you know, is she was she really there when she was a kid? Was she not? Of course she was. I mean, they're not... It's not much of a stretch when you find out that the lead character in the movie, Maggie, was actually the daughter of this killer who um, he tried to kill live on stage and then mm-hmm. was saved by her aunt, who is Dee Wallace Stone. It's not a stretch. I don't want to give away who the killer is, per se, uh. but... Because um, I, I do... I do like that that little... I like the killer. I like his motivation, actually. Yeah, I do, too. I just... And, um... That part in the beginning where Dee Wallace goes to confront... Okay, so, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. So, like, the originally there was that... The plot line I just described to you was the plot. But then there was supposed to be this other plot that was, ori- I guess, in one of the original scripts, and they mm-hmm. pulled out before they shot... But they didn't, um, they left some of it in, and it doesn't make sense. So there was a supernatural element, from what I hear, where uh, I think it was like a popcorn machine was haunted, Uh or the theater was haunted. That explains why, in a movie where there's no real supernatural stuff going on, the letters of the marquee um, explode and attack D. Wallace Stone before uh, they're replaced by the supernatural lettering that says The Possessor. So... Like I said, they, they basically had this script that had two different plots going on in the movie. And then they were like, you know what, this this B plot's not going to work. Let's pull it out. But they didn't pull out all of it, and they never explain any of it. So it does. It makes no sense. And, um, I mean, there's a few. Look, the movie's very, very flawed. I mean, the whole idea is that D. Wallace Stone saves Jill Scolin, or I think that's her name, um, when she's a little girl from her father getting killed, Right? Yeah. Dee Wallstone being her aunt. Dee Wallstone, apparently, and, and this gets all explained in the movie, uh, changed their names and their identities to protect them from this, in case this killer was still around. However, <laughs> they never left the town that this all happened in. <laughs> I know. It's, so- she, it's like, 
they change they they go through all this effort to like have these other identities, but they never leave. Yeah. You know? So um that's one of the things I like. I also uh love that they're the most popular band in town is this reggae band that manages to be able to play with electric instruments. Yeah, without having without <laughs> when the power goes out in the theater. Yeah. Um somehow it still is watchable. Absolutely. Plus, I really... What was his name? Tom... Villard. Villard, yes, which is such a shame, because yeah. I didn't know anything about him, but when you reminded me of his character in My, My Girl, Girl, I knew exactly who he was and had no idea about his history and that he died. Yeah. But he's so... He is so likable, even as this, like, eccentric murderer serial killer, you still like him. Yeah. Um, But it was... It was good. I mean, I like the idea of the people masks and et cetera. I just, uh, it was kind of like silly the way they pieced everything together, but I still liked it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think mostly because I wish that someone would do something like that now. Exactly. Right. And like, and a lot of like, you know, it's funny because they kind of combined the idea of movie marathons and the old spook show from like the, uh, you know, I think, I want to say like from the 30s till you know, maybe the, the early 50s where, you know, theaters would have like a midnight showing of something where they'd have like a live show. Uh-huh. Uh, and they would always have like a lights out moment where like at a certain point in the show, lights go out and then something happens. Either something comes across the, you know, the, the, the top of the theater, you know, mm-hmm. um, something glow in the dark or they had people running out in the, the crowd and scaring people. It was like kind of a combination of a movie and a haunted house. That was the old spook show. So they kind of combined that with popcorn. Um, I mean, I, I, like I said, it, it's a really flawed movie. It's very corny. Um, it is. The music is hilarious. Uh, the lead, the lead character Sarah or Maggie or whatever her who she, we're supposed to believe she is, she was actually that that actress was replaced. It was originally mm. a different actress, and then we got uh, Jill Scullin who did the stepfather, Curse Two. Mm-hmm. Um, her love interest in this movie, oh god, played by Derek Rydell, uh, who was in Phantom of the Mall. Plays a character named Mark, who is just basically a bumbling idiot. Yeah. Like, the guy gets the shit kicked out of him throughout the entire movie. It's kind of uh, enjoyable, because he's not a very likable character. No, he's stupid. He, yeah, I mean, he's 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 kind of a meathead. Um, and he's not the most endearing character, which is why when he gets the shit kicked out of him throughout the entire movie, it's kind of, it, that itself is enjoyable. Um, but, I mean, the cast is, I mean, we have, like, we have Jill Scullin, we have Ray Walston, Tony Roberts, uh, Malcolm Denaire, you know the guy in the wheelchair? Yeah. Uh, if you recognize him, it's because he was in a little, uh, kind of a, a little-known movie directed by this, like, director who didn't really, you know, I don't know, this guy John Carpenter. Uh, he was in a movie <laughs> called uh, Christine, and it was about a, uh, you know, you might, have, you might have heard of it, it's about a killer car, it was written by some guy. Wait, who was he in Christine? Do you remember you know, all the publicity stills you see from Christine of, like, a guy running from a car? Is that him? That's him, yeah. <laughs> so I like to think that, like, Popcorn is kind of a sequel to Christine, where, like, for his character, where, like, he got hit by the car, yeah. but he survived, and now he's in a wheelchair. Um, and making movies in, in college. Yeah, he, like, you know, he stopped being such an asshole in high school, and uh, now he's a film student in college. That beginning scene, too, where, like, they're in the film class and they're talking about movies kind of reminded me of Scream. Yeah. Scream 2. Yeah. yeah. I like, I, and I think that's one of the reasons why this movie is so endearing, even though it's not the best. And I think it's because it really gets, hits all those notes that, like, you know, film buffs really love, you know, like, 
something as simple as in when they're in the theater that let's go all to go to the lobby. Yeah, the, 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 the little yeah. concession stand commercial that, that really, everyone knows. Yeah, you know, like stuff like that. that um, I think they really like cover like again like all those kind of tying into all the William Castle esque gimmicks, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it really is. It's it's a it's not. I love this movie. I don't. Even, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying that like you can't. You can't hide it's, its flaws. Yeah, it's it's bad, but it's, like, it works. Like, there are some bad movies that are just bad, and then yeah. there are bad movies that you really like, regardless. Well, I think this movie's charming. It is charming. That's and a I good think, word. And I think that's what it is about popcorn that is so charming, is that uh, it's not that scary. Yeah, it's kind of... it Now, at first, I was like, this title is stupid. And now... I still think it's stupid, but I think it fits yeah. the entire movie because <laughs> it's stupid, but you really like it and it is super enjoyable. Uh, I remember when I first saw it, I was a little kid. I remember the trailer really well, the TV spot as a kid, and I remember just being like, again, so scared. And then two years later, it's playing at my aunt's house and I watch it. And uh, I remember, you know, again, well, this is a spoiler, but I remember being really like not liking it at first because I really liked the Toby character. And yeah. to have him be revealed as the killer, I was so let down. I was so sad. No. And and they really do. I, that's one of the things I like about this movie is that they do a really good job of making you sympathize with him. Even yeah. At, and and the characters, like as hokey as they can be and as silly as they can be, they feel real. You know, yeah. like uh, there's the girl in the in the class who's like she's funny, but she also she's been harboring this crush on Toby this entire time. And like, you know, like there's something about that ending when they you know the police show up. And she's just she's bawling her eyes out because like this guy that she's been in love with turned out to be <laughs> a basket case. And then you got Kelly Jo Minter, who like I said, she's great and she she's a great character actress who shows up in like Nightmare on Street Five, People Under the Stairs, mm-hmm. Mask. Um, I mean, I just feel like you know you just throw a rock at a movie in the '80s and she shows up. Yeah. And, um, really, a, a great little horror movie cast, and it's a little sad that like they kind of. Um, that there were so much problems in the production and everything like that and you know where they had to fire Alan Ormsby and they brought in Mark Harrier who I don't think he's done any, I mean he's maybe done two other things and um I don't know Alan Ormsby I from what I can from what I know he was the one who directed all the movies within the movies which are perfect like they really they cover three different types of films they cover like the you know the you know, there's the mosquito one where it's like you know the radioactive bugs that that grow to mm-hmm. enormous sizes. Then you have like the hokey like, you know, guy with who gets you know scientific science goes wrong and he becomes like uh, empowered with some ludicrous like the, I think it was like he's like the electric shock guy, you know. And then then you have the what was the movie called The Stench where it's supposed to be one of those yeah, Japanese films. Yeah, I wish films those were real. That were like sub were dubbed over, you know. And so like you know, and they do yeah. it so well. We're like. You know, you even asked me, we're watching, like, are these real yeah. movies? And, like, no, that's what's so great about them is they're done so well that um, they are very convincing, you know? And, and they, they go with, they, they really appeal to that, like, that fun schlock yeah. type of uh, film. And um, I think they really work for popcorn. And like I said, like, there's a lot of cool things. I remember reading when I was a kid about how uh, the main killer, or the, the cult film cult guy, Lanyard Gates, was inspired by uh, Coffin Joe, who we'll talk about in another episode. Coffin Joe was a Brazilian filmmaker who kind of created this, like, Brazilian boogeyman in, like, the early 60s, and he ended up making a bunch of movies as this character. Mm-hmm. And um, his movies are immensely fucked up and awesome. And the only reason why I even knew who he was was because of this movie Popcorn. So um, a lot of good things come out of this movie. 
Uh, you know, acting's not the best. <laughs> they, here's the thing is, when the characters are all together, they yeah. act really well off each other. When they're all kind of doing their own separate things, it's you not know, as, yeah. Yeah, it's not as, it's solid. You know, there is a real chemistry with all, with these college kids, and, um, and they feel very believable. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's one of the, the the other thing, too, is that you don't really... There's not one bad batch in this group. Like, I don't... You know, when you watch a horror movie, especially a slasher film, someone's got to go. And usually it's the person you want to see get killed. Yeah. I kind of like everybody in this movie. I Maybe not, like, that girl Tina, you know? Which is funny, because she's the one I recognize. Yeah. I was like, I know her face, and she was in A League of Their Own. But she was in A League of Their Own as, like, a face. Yeah. You know, like, as, like, oh, the pretty girl who's going to get us exposure, and that's why I recognized her. It's because of her face. Right. But, yeah, yeah. I could have, I mean, you know, I wasn't I wasn't heartbroken when she gets it, but. Um, no. But, no, I, I really, I, I do, I do really like popcorn. I think it's such an, I think it's an underrated classic, um. Again, I, I think all of its flaws, all of its, like, you know, fuck-ups... Yeah. ...are what kind of contribute it. to making it endearing, you know? Like, yeah. the, 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 like, again, the reggae band, which is, like... <laughs> this is... Guys, this is... This movie comes out in the early 90s. It's supposed to take place in Los Angeles. There is no way that, um... That reggae is, uh, a thing. Yeah. In, I do like You know? That. Um, yeah. So, it, it really, like... It can't hide where it's where it was made, which yeah. I kind of like. Um, it's also... Doesn't look anything like the California that I know or you know. Um, mm-hmm. I would love for a theater like that to exist in California, but unfortunately, I know they're few Especially and far between. Dreamland, I would be yeah. Psyched. Um, I mean, look, there's like again, there's a lot of things about this movie that like you know, uh, plot wise are kind of like there's a lot of loose ends, you know. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is because I wish somebody would do this more often. I wish yeah. they would have marathons like that. On a regular With basis. With, like, props. And props, like, exactly. I've even... I'm not going to lie, that shock clock that they have, I've looked for one. Yeah. I've tried to look Google. I'm like, there's got to be somebody who's done something like that. Yeah, you know? that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, it's definitely an a, a underrated 90s uh, classic that is finally getting the love that it, I think it deserved. Like I said, it was came out on video. Um, they put it out on some really crappy bare-bones DVD. Yeah. Um, that, like came and went like it became impossible to find and then again you know Synapse put out an amazing Blu-ray restoration with like a behind the scenes feature which kind of illuminates more about what I was just talking about with the two directors and yeah um, the actresses getting replaced and, and it's really fascinating to watch and you get to see what a lot of these people look like now and it's really cool um, you know and they do talk about Tom Villard a lot which is really cool because uh, you know apparently he was a very likable guy and mm-hmm. um, really sad to see him go and I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it, and I think that I recommend that everybody, you know, give it a chance. And, and yeah. it's a it's a fun movie, especially to watch with... Friends. Friends. It know? is a fun movie. It's a fun movie, yeah. yeah. And I feel like there's not as many movies like that anymore. They're just fun, you know? Yeah. So, give it a shot. And uh, did you want... Is there anything you wanted to add? No. I mean, uh, actually, I wanted to shout out... So, there's, like, a lot of blogs. Yeah. Um, and... Instagram pages that I follow um, to that are always really informative and they at least snapshot maybe more obscure or type of things so it's I follow them a lot so I have one things to watch too and like I'll see a snapshot and be like oh I need to check that out but one of the main ones um, is this Instagram account it's called anti CGI and it's anti underscore CGI 
and uh, he's got like a great account. It's just like really snapshots of like obviously like um, movies that um, he likes or he just wants to post about. It's it's really cool. And then if you're a Tumblr person, which everyone kind of it kind of correlates with like young people with Tumblr, but there are a lot of great. Um, Blogs like Criterion has one. Mm-hmm. Um, Pure Cinema is a good blog, um, and then there's a, a bunch more. Um, so I wanted to kind of give a shout out to them because I'm constantly like screenshotting things and be like, oh, I got to put this in my list and watch this and talk about it. So I think um, if people, aside from listening to podcasts, want to check things out, there's like so much information out there and things to follow that will give you, you know, these ideas. Definitely. Definitely, and uh, you know, definitely follow us on Instagram, yeah. and, and also <laughs> make go, sure you follow our page, and you know, check out face, our page on Facebook, and also go on iTunes, review us, like us, all that stuff. Oh yeah, SoundCloud, you know, like us. SoundCloud, like us. Um, Wherever we are, like us. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we will be back uh, next week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Before Halloween. Before Friday the thirteenth. Before a nightmare on Elm Street, there was... Now he's back. Popcorn. Buy a bag. Go home in a box. Rated R. Starts Friday, February 1st at theaters everywhere.